0: If you would turn with me this evening to the prophecy of Jeremiah, I'm going to turn to Jeremiah chapter 8, be reading from the closing portion of that chapter and then the opening words of chapter 9. While you're turning, um, I mentioned this in the pre-service prayer meeting, but we've been praying for Jan's niece's husband, Jack, uh, Lindsay's her niece, and we had word this afternoon that uh, the The wound uh, from the surgery uh, is not looking good uh, today, and so they're concerned about that. They're going to give him a little time, and I don't know if the surgeon's able to see him today or another doctor, but uh, let's do pray for him still. Uh, In the best case, he's still got a long recovery, uh, but this uh, just little setback it looks like today, so let's pray for him still, keeping him in our prayers. Jeremiah 8, I want to begin and read from verse 18 and then to the opening three verses of the ninth chapter. When I would comfort myself against sorrow, my heart is faint in me. Behold the voice of the cry of the daughter of my people because of them that dwell in a far country. Is not the Lord in Zion? Is not her king in her? Why have they provoked me to anger with their graven images and with strange vanities? The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. For the hurt of the daughter of my people I am hurt. I am black, astonishment hath taken hold on me. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is not the health of the daughter of my people recovered? Oh, that my head were water's mine eyes a fountain of tears. That I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. Oh, that I had in the wilderness a lodging place of wayfaring men. That I might leave my people and go from them. For they be all adulterers, an assembly of treacherous men. They bend their tongues like their bow for lies. But they are not valiant for the truth upon the earth. For they proceed from evil to evil. And they know not me, saith the Lord. Linda reading, again trusting the Lord to bless and prosper the public reading of his word. I'll ask you again to just quiet our hearts for a moment before we come and consider the word together. Our Heavenly Father, we ask for something of the desires of the hymn writer. This gospel chorus, draw me nearer. But it seems that the church is always bouncing, as it were, between errors. Lord, we've seen the errors of calling out for high and strong devotional life and consecration, separation from the world with little understanding of truth, of the doctrines of salvation, of the person and work of Christ. And Lord, we've commented much of late that There's an interest in doctrine in these days and yet devotion, consecration, these are things that are further from the minds and hearts and experience of the church. We ask for grace, for gospel hearts to avoid both errors and to walk indeed closely with the God that we know well. And so help us even tonight to that end as we come and look at your word. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. The prophet Jeremiah has a book, a man, a point in history and in the Lord's word that has captivated my attention from my youth. Uh, Jeremiah lived in days in which the southern kingdom was anticipating judgment. The northern tribes were already gone after the Assyrian invasion. We've looked a little at this recently in our prayer meetings, looking at the kings. But the southern kingdom remains. There was that great victory over the Assyrians, we recall, and just looked at in our prayer meeting last week or so. Jeremiah is called to minister in the southern kingdom to preach in Jerusalem against the evils of a city that was bent on evil and that was primed for judgment. He had a long ministry. He had a hard ministry. He was a man that was known as a weeping prophet. Well, as I grew up and was under a lot of good Bible preaching, but some strong prophetic teaching, much of which I've retained, some of which I've tweaked a little bit over the years, as you know. But Jeremiah, again, captured much of my thoughts because, well, our days may indeed be similar to Jeremiah's. They are certainly similar with regard to the condition of the world, to the condition of the church, the evils that prevail and surround us, the, the, the small number of faithful voices as Jeremiah is crying out, the large number of false prophets that are preaching, those that were going about saying, peace, peace, when there was no peace, And the lonely Jeremiah that was saying repent or perish. And so he's always been much in the back of my mind. so much so, maybe this is why the Lord gave us girls. Uh, The names I had stacked up for boys were, well, Horatius was in there for Bonner. Uh, Jesse's so grateful. (laughs) But actually, Jessica wouldn't have been Horatius. She was going to be Jeremiah. Actually, Jeremy... Ryan or Jeremiah Ryan kind of had the same lilt to it. Is that the right word, lilt, as Jessica Lauren? But then I realized it was a mercy because if we'd named a son Jeremiah Ryan Kimbrough, his initials would have been jerk. That would have probably caught on about the second grade and never left. So, well, the Lord gave us girls. I knew their dad needed a little more wisdom in names. But Jeremiah was a name that was much on the heart, because I think Jeremiah's ministry and his times are so much like ours. Well, I've been called upon, I had to do the calling, to uh, bring a message at our seminary commencement this coming June. If you want to come down, it's June 3rd, a Friday night, but uh, I've been looking at different texts, and these opening three verses of chapter 9 are a text I've been considering, but I've left off, unless the Lord changes my mind between now and then, but I thought they may be good verses for us. Now they're verses we looked at from one perspective not long ago, if you remember our little series last year on truth, and truth falling in the streets. One of those last messages we focused here on verse 3 in chapter 9, they weren't valiant for truth, and the need to be valiant for truth in our times but it's not so much from that theme that I want us to consider, but just this evening before we come to our fellowship, really, and singing together and in the food, something of the struggles of this man that was called the weeping prophet. And I want to look at these opening three verses of chapter 9, and I want to look at them backwards. Just to consider some of the, the difficulties the circumstances that Jeremiah faced, and I think in many ways similar things, as we've said, that prevail among us. And so if you look at verse three for our opening thought, I would just suggest here that it puts before us the evils that the prophet witnessed, the the sin that surrounded him constantly. We read again, they bend their tongues like their bow for lies but are not valiant for the truth upon the earth, for they proceed from evil to evil, and they know not me, saith the Lord. In many ways, this is a microcosm of the whole prophecy of Jeremiah. Jeremiah preached to a people that were so steeped in sin, at one point he says, according to the number of your cities, so are your gods. Idolatries everywhere. I mean, that's what Paul faced at Athens idols and altars to gods of every ilk and kind. Well, here, this prevails in Judah. According to your cities, these are your gods. They're bold. They're courageous, but not for truth. They're bold in lies, and they're not valiant for truth. They are false prophets. Prophets. Actually, as I think now, the sermon that was preached to me at our theological hall graduation by Dr. Cairns was pulled from Jeremiah, speaking of the false prophets who prophesy falsely and prophesied lies in his name, and then the phrase afterward, my people love to have it so. There's really the greater evil the appetites of the people for false prophets and liars. And I've said before that Jeremiah in his pitiful circumstances really could see really a case being brought against him as a traitor. I mean, seriously, for him to come and say, God sent the Babylonians and you may as well surrender to them. You want Jerusalem where God's house, God's temple is, to surrender to these wicked Babylonians. What kind of prophet are you? I mean, it doesn't take much imagination to see how public opinion could be swayed against a prophet like that. And It doesn't take much imagination to see how public opinion can be swayed against preachers of the gospel today. To preach against some of the prophetic voices of our day. So Jeremiah is dealing with great great difficulties. I Often smile you sense the occasion is the siege begins and Jeremiah's in the pit and the king sends is there any word from the Lord. You know out there in front of the cameras we can't say that we believe you've got the Lord's word but I'm kind of curious what what you feel like's going on. Well Jeremiah is facing these evils. The people's hearts are bent on apostasy. They bend their tongues like their bow for lies. They work at producing and following lies, or as the New Testament phrases it, deceiving and being deceived. They're not valiant for truth. Well, we looked at some of those themes last year when we took that as one of our texts. But if you back up to the second verse, it's not merely the evils that the prophet faced that demand our attention here, the temptations that Jeremiah faced. Oh, that I had in the wilderness a lodging place of wayfaring men, that I might leave my people and go from them, for they be all adulterers, an assembly of treacherous men. I'm suggesting temptations here. Not the obvious temptations which certainly he and any would face in an age of wickedness and immorality and apostasy to be swept away with the sins of the generation. To be bombarded with such things constantly as he was and we are. But it's not those temptations that I'm speaking of here. Jeremiah thankfully had been given grace and is like... Lot in Sodom, his righteous soul, is vexed by the evil that surrounds him constantly. Those temptations, the Lord's given him grace and victory over those. But temptations of a different sort. Oh, that I had in the wilderness a lodging place of wayfaring men. Or you might translate that into a 21st century preacher. Oh, that I had a cabin in the mountains I could go hide in and get away from this wicked world. There's a spiritual dimension to his temptation, to be sure. There's a hatred of sin. There's a broken heart for the evils that have prevailed, not merely in the Gentile nations, but here is a people that were to be a light to the Gentiles that God placed in the center of the Gentile world to bear testimony to truth. And instead of bearing witness to truth, they look around and said, you know, the Gentiles and their gods and how they worship, you know, that looks kind of nice. Let's, let's bring some of that. We may be, you know, you start out by, we'll, we'll have both. Or we'll worship our God the way they worship theirs. But we're still worshiping our God and, well, you just see the progression." And so I say there's a spiritual dimension that Jeremiah's rightfully put off by the sins that surround him. But I say there's also a fleshly dimension. It's easy to want release from someone who rejects you. They don't want to hear truth, so I won't bring it anymore. They don't want to preach Christ to them. They don't want to hear the message of the gospel? Well, I'll just leave them alone. I'll go away. I'll find some place in the wilderness and, and lodge there. And I say, here's a temptation. And I think in some ways it's a temptation that Bible-believing Christians face in our generation. I mean, where where is the, the line between a right view of separation from the world and a wrong view of isolation and going out of the world, as it were. I mean, the Lord's prayer was, I pray not that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil. is our method of being kept from the evil to never have contact with evil people? Balancing, sheltering, and evangelism, being salt and light in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Well, do we do that by being in that crooked and perverse generation as dwelling in the cities with such people or having a lodging place in the wilderness? Our temptations. And again, I think sometimes the flesh you know, it, it tries to choose between these: from a self-righteous isolation and a hardness of heart toward the lost, toward even the professing church that doesn't see everything the way we see it, and we just get away and only hibernate with our kind, or do we say no? That's that's a wrong view, and and abandon any principles, abandon any difference, abandon any separation. From the world. The phrase used to be used in the world, but not of the world. Well, I say the temptation Jeremiah wrestles with is one I'm sure that can come upon us. Oh, that we had in the wilderness a lodging place. Well, may God help us and give us grace to navigate. When we're not hiding in the wilderness, but bearing testimony in Jerusalem, bearing testimony in Winston-Salem. But if you back up then from the third to the second, now to the first verse: Oh, that my head were waters and mine eyes a fountain of tears, that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. If chapter 3 or verse 3 is the evils that the prophet witnessed and verse 2 is the temptations the prophet faced, I'd suggest verse 1 is the burden the prophet carried. Jeremiah is spoken of and rightly spoken of as the weeping prophet. But yet if our text, famous as it is, were not enough to establish that reputation, we see that this Jeremiah penned the whole book of Lamentations. I was watching Jeopardy the other night. I had a question about the first verse of Lamentations and nobody got it. Kind of common with the Bible category nowadays. Jeremiah is the weeping prophet, but yet if you read this verse, what is he saying? He's saying, Oh, that I had enough Kleenex to deal with these tears? That's not what he's saying. He's saying, I should have more tears than I have. Here's a cry for tears. Oh, that my head were waters and mine eyes a fountain of tears that I might weep day and night for the slain, the daughter of my people. Here's a heart. Here's a heart that's overcome the temptation. I know I'm looking at the verses in reverse order. The temptations are there. Oh, that I had a a place in the wilderness. But more so than that, he says, Oh, that I had eyes that were like a fountain to shed more tears for the daughters, for the slain of the daughters of my people. Jeremiah weeps over Jerusalem. Jeremiah, in this way, is a picture for us of Christ who perfectly wept over the city. We consider some couple of weeks ago the people were rejoicing, the triumphal entry, and Jesus is weeping. Perspectives, you see, the understanding. Of where things really stood was quite different. While Jeremiah is a man of like passion, such as ourselves, and in weakness, and could not, as Jesus, perfectly weep over Jerusalem, he did weep over it. His heart yearned for it. And here's something I think that we need to seek in ourselves to have the spiritual discernment, to love the people, to yearn after them, to be burdened for their salvation, to be delivered from their sins and from the consequences of their sins, and yet not to join them as partakers of their sins. How was it phrased in Jude? Some having compassion, making a difference. But then he follows on about hating the garment spotted by the flesh. I remember we looked at that some years ago and I was really taken back. I can't remember if the commentators went all the way there or not, but it hadn't been long at that point since we had had little ones in diapers, which my wife changed 99.9 and you keep adding decimals percentage of those. But I had to do a couple. And when you're dealing with a really messy one, how do you handle it? Very carefully. Well, that's something of the heart. There's love that wants to deal with the problem in the lives of the sinners that surround us, but yet we can't touch the garment spotted by the flesh we don't want to be corrupted by the corruption that's affecting them but you don't walk away that's not the way you keep clean well, I'm not going to change that diaper sorry and live in that one stay in at least till mom gets home see a couple of smiles out there maybe but do we have a heart we recognize perhaps the need for hearts that are affected toward those that surround us in these days of evil. This is a burden the prophet carried. He was bringing difficult words to Jerusalem, but he's the only prophet in the city that was loving them, telling them truth. He wasn't boastfully telling them. He wasn't from a self-righteous position telling them. He was telling them as one concerned for their soul. One that desired their good. And so here, I say, this weeping prophet confesses he's needing to weep more than he does. And I think in many ways... This Jeremiah that in my youth I looked at and would still understand as a man standing for truth and preaching coming judgment to a people that had that judgment upon them. And it was coming. But his heart toward the people, well, it was different than some of the prophecy preachers of that day and even of ours. He yearned for them. He wept for them. He overcame the temptation abandon them and just go be a hermit no he stayed in Jerusalem he preached truth to them when they didn't want to hear it he suffered for the preaching of that truth but he called them back constantly calling them back to the message of their own scriptures so I say here yes there were evils he witnessed and temptations he faced But there's the real burden he carried. A weeping heart. And a heart that understood that it didn't weep enough. And maybe that's where we might be. I examine myself in that. Do we weep enough? Do we care enough for the lost that surround us? Jeremiah cried out, that he might have more and greater tears. Let's bow our heads together. We have our inspiration following and then the meal, so we'll just have a closing hymn after we pray or just the piano to play, and then Derek will come and lead us as we sing. Let's bow our heads together. Lord, we tonight ask that you might help us think through and examine ourselves by the example of Jeremiah. He struggled. There were failures even in his ministry. We read portions of his prophecy that are called complaints. But you worked with him. You touched him by your spirit. Even when he was ready to forbear speaking, your word came to him as a burning fire. It couldn't be held back. Lord, let that be the work of the gospel in our souls. And let us press on in faithful ministry in the midst of an unfaithful people in unfaithful days. So prosper your word, even the phrases of these familiar verses, and lead us to bear good testimony in the days in which you've called us to live. We pray it all in Jesus' precious name. Amen.